Hello and welcome to Byteside. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about tech and games and digital culture. Are you feeling a little sad because the Tokyo Olympics finished last week? I kind of am too. I think with so much of life in lockdown right now, we actually had a great time zone matchup here in Australia to enjoy the event. And while there was no one in the stands, it was really great to see it happen in the midst of such a tough time around the world. In good news, you won't have to wait much longer for your next hit of Olympics action because the Beijing 2022 Winter Games are actually just a few months away. It kicks off February 4. Yes, the new year isn't all that far away at this point. And this week on Byteside, I'm actually talking to one of the Irish athletes preparing for those Winter Games in one of the craziest sports ever conceived. Brendan Doyle is an Irish skeleton racer. That's the one where they throw themselves face first down the high speed ice track. I'm speaking to Brendan because it turns out that virtual reality headsets are actually a fantastic way to practice and visualize tracks when you're not on the actual track. So in this chat, we talk about his choice of sport, his arrival at using VR gear to help up his game, and how having a headset for training offers other benefits to his routine. You can go find him yourself online too. He's at FaceDoyle on Twitter and SlidingIrish.com is his home on the web. Here's my chat with Brendan Doyle about skeleton racing and training with VR. Hey, here's somebody who's training for one of those notoriously crazy sports in (laughs) the Winter Games, but then also using VR tech to do some of the training. And it kind of hit me when I was thinking about it. I'm like, well... It's weird, but it really does seem to make sense because, right, you're head first. So it's like, well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it, no, to be honest, it was something that um, I don't know how many other athletes do, but it was something that made sense to me because you see the parallels. Um, skeleton is kind of known as Formula One on ice. Um, we see the Formula One boys, they're hitting their, their sims like all the time. Um, yeah. so I was like, this just makes absolute sense. Um, so I kind of, I was dabbling with it. I started using the original, uh, uh, Vive or not Vive, yeah, Vive, the first, the big black one with the yeah, yeah. sensors in the room. I was like, man, okay, this works, but it's clunky and I can't bring it with me. And then, um, yeah. man, once, once the, the Oculus 2 came out, it was like, this is affordable. It's something that I could put on, on in my bag and bring it to different tracks with me. Um, and I was like, oh, this is this is a game changer. So um, I've been I've been using it pretty heavily. That's just awesome. So look, I mean, let's let's step back to the start of it all. Why yeah. on earth did you choose skeleton as the <laughs> event that you wanted to do? <laughs> um, I guess it kind of chose me to be honest. Um, so I have a, a, an athletics background, track and field, and um, a couple of years back, um, I was training in the same gym where the, the bobsled team were training. So they came up to me. I'll never forget the day I was, I was in the gym doing some tricep dips and they knocked on the window and they were like, come on out here and we want you to push this little tea tray with wheels. I was like, yeah, sure, cool. Went out there and pushed it on a, a normal track and field, like just a running track, kind of cool running style. 
and um, they were like, okay, you know, we want you to keep training at this. So I was like, okay, I kept coming back, kept coming back. And eventually um, you need a, a driving license to prove that you're not going to like wreck yourself on the track. So <laughs> that sounds yeah. actually like a really good idea to have something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only bit of common sense way for. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they, they took me off to a place called Eagles, which is in Innsbruck, Austria. And this was 2003. So it wasn't as, it, it didn't ease you into the sport. They took you up to the top of the track. I laid on the sled and there was a local man there with a broom. And I just remember him putting it up against the back of the sled. And I just remember him say, bye-bye Ireland. And then he <laughs> sh- shut me all down the track. <laughs> I, I was on the track. I knew as much about the sport as you do now. Like you didn't know a lot. So I'm like wide-eyed. I'm hitting every wall. I'm skidding. And everything is just such a blur. Um, but I got to the end, I was like, that was amazing. And I wanted to go back up. So you get, you put your set on the truck and it brings you back up to the top of the track. And somewhere in that two or three minute journey, you're kind of like, maybe I don't need to do this again. <laughs> like the, the adrenaline starts to ease off and you're like, maybe not. But by the time you get back up, it's just time to go again. So you don't have time to talk yourself out of it, really. Um, that's how I, that's how I got into sports. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I just had a natural affinity to it. I just love the attention to detail. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, is there something then, I guess there are so many sports where, you know, is it your like size shape thing that made them kind of go, hey, that guy might be the right kind of person for for this kind of event? For sure. Um, I, the beauty about skeleton, it's, it's there's so many different uh, abilities to it, let's say, um, that there's a lot of different athletes who can who can kind of, do well in it um i was good like you know i trained as a sprinter 100 and 200 meters but i always felt the 100 meters was 70 meters too long so i was <laughs> like i was like okay cool this sport here because i'm really good at accelerating I'm good out of the blocks yeah. the first 20 30 meters you know that's there's a direct translation from from block starts to pushing the sled because we have to push the sled which weighs 30 kilos with one hand um, and that's the only point of acceleration we have in terms of like, you, you know, we don't have a gas pedal. So it's like we push as hard as we can. And that's where races are won and lost. But in skeleton itself, there's a lot of different athletes. We like soccer players, rugby players, multi-eventers, we have ballet dancers, equestrian. So, um, you know, those, those sports, when I say ballet and equestrian, you wouldn't know like, why, why are they in the sport. Their ability to sense where they are in space is unparalleled to other sports so like where skeleton where athletics is pure brute strength and speed these guys know when you know there's a piece of pressure or they're high in the air which is all really because like when we're on the track you're going through six g's of force you're hitting speeds of 145 which is what 90 miles an hour uh so your head is pitted on the ice like you cannot see where you're going so to have that that proprioception to know where you are in space is a huge asset so like again there's a lot of sports out there where that's what they train so there's just crossover there so yeah there's there's a mix there's a pick and mix there's a mixed bag of people who are in the sport thinking about the vr part of it like what i i have theories but i'm like you can you can explain it what is it that it is giving you the the training in is it a lot like you know a race driver where it's 
you know, you're, you're learning tracks? Because I've noticed there's not one shape of track. It is like racing in that no. every location yeah. has its own layout. For sure. Every, every track has its own characteristics. Um, you know, you, you go to Eagles, which is a, a gliders track, which basically means you have to let the sled do all the work because anything you do, any steer, any input we put on the sled is a braking. Remember, we don't have a gas pedal to, to jam on when we make a mistake. We have to carry that mistake. So you've got tracks like Eagles in, in Austria where it's like gliders. You just have to gently manipulate it. But then you can go to Whistler in Vancouver where it's the fastest track on the planet. There's a lot of pressure there, so you have to really get after it. So why I saw a lot of promise in, in VR itself is my sport is predominantly mindset. We, we train all the time on, on the physical side and you can't, you know, races are won and lost up top at the start, but there's such a massive aspect of, of, of the race, which is just pure mindset. So we do something called mind runs and visualization. So for anyone who, like, if you've seen cool runnings, that scene where they're in the bathtub leaning left and right, that's not a million miles off what we do. Yeah. The idea is to train the brain. Like we're problem solving at 145 kilometers an hour. We are trying to figure out what's going on. So, you know, when I'm on the sled, I have to look at where we're going into the entrance, what's happening in the corner and how that sets me up in the exit. Because what I do in this corner is, is, is going to show up in corner six or eight or way down the track. Yeah. So the, the, the visualization tool is huge. And if you ever go to any event, you're going to see guys with their eyes closed and they're going to go through the track and they're going to like, this is corner one. We've got a straight and then corner two. I have this, 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 you know, set steers I need to do. And I found there was a bit of a disparity between, let's say, for example, a track is a 50 second track. You know, your downtime is 50 seconds. I could do my mind run with my eyes closed and I could be getting the uh, world record on that track at 42 seconds because I'm rushing it or I could be way too slow and it could be a minute 20. So I found VR kind of fills this gap. And it gives you the cadence of the track. So when I'm watching, when I when I put the headset on, I load up a POV. Anyone can watch these POVs. They're all over YouTube. It's not a secret. But you can load up these POVs. And what it does is it, it keeps you strict. So it gives you the timing. Quarter one may, in your mind, only be like a quick corner because the speed. But in the VR, you're kind of like, oh, I have more time here. Okay, so I can just relax. And, you know, visualization is, is such a a strong tool in our sports the only the only non-native uh olympic gold winner was duff gibson in 2006 in turin and that guy did 250 mind runs a day and he had to go to physiotherapy because his neck would be locked up he'd lie in the sled and he'd go through it each time after time so like i, I think just that the vr headset just just blends uh where we are in a mind and reality and it's it it's paid massive dividends. I absolutely like it's, it's a tool now that I would use without even second thought. Also like with, with, with skeleton run, every time I go down a track, I have to pay 25, 25 euros for, for a single run that can get expensive. Yeah, that can add up. Yeah. And Oh, it, it really does. Um, and we also have to weigh up the physical toll that it can take in our bodies. So yeah. CTE, uh, which is a massive, massive, issue um in, in most contact sports the skeleton is a contact sport you're on the side and you're getting shaken you know pretty violently sometimes so what we have to do is we have to um micro dose those those kind of exposures you can have a good day and you're fine but if you take a 
a fourth or a fifth or sixth one, that starts to add up. Kind of like, you know, you have one bad night's sleep, that's fine, but you keep doing that, it adds up and adds up. So the the VR headset helps me stay on track without taking the physical toll of being on track and the financial toll of being on track. So yeah, it's it's been it's been huge for me. And so yeah, roughly how long have you been using this kind of a system to help with the training and <laughs> Yeah, has there been you know, improvements in your results or just a general improvement in, you know, your like personal best or anything along those lines? So it's been two or three seasons. So I said I started using it with the original Vive, which is a little clunkier. So I didn't use it as much. But yeah. now that I've got the, the Oculus 2, man, I throw it on and it's it's just go time. So um, I was training out in... Park City in Utah, just this season gone. And I would use it at home. So before I go out, so I'd have my breakfast, you know, training's at whatever, 12. I throw it on for 20 minutes, do a few runs. So when I'm at the track, I'm primed. Yeah. Um, and there's been a few different benefits that I felt personally, which would be my recall. So I come off the sled at the end of the track. I'm able to tell my coach exactly how I went into corner four and where where the oscillations were and how I dealt with them. Sometimes you might get off the track, you know, I, I don't know how <laughs> I don't what know what there. like it's it's yeah I I like and, and that's just a part of the sport like yeah. it is a part like because I might be I might be focusing on corner six but my coach is like what you do in corner four that your corner six was weird you know so and I'm like oh pff, I, I don't know yeah. but my recall has improved since having that ability in of itself it pays massive dividends again because I'm bringing back more information for the next day yeah so it's 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 trying to limit exposure by maximizing my my return um so i've i've i mean i I got three medals when i was out in park city and for those competitions and you know i had another massive breakthrough last season again i was using i was actually kind of tandem i was using uh oculus vr but i was using eye racing as well oh yeah right yeah so eye racing i would use again in vr as well and i would use eye racing again you know, you're you're breaking down a track, you're you're competing, you're trying to find, you're trying to, you know, reverse engineer a problem and you're like, okay, this is why I'm losing time here. What do I need to do to fix that? Honestly, like it sounds crazy, but the the nerves that you get sitting in VR in a race in in iRacing is pretty much the same as as real life. I mean, we do we do endurance races with a team of guys, we'll have four or five guys, and we'll do, you know six hour races, 12 hour races. We're going to be doing a 24 hour race uh, there this weekend. And the pressure of not being the guy to bin the car and wreck the whole thing for everybody. (laughs) Like that's real dude. And like there's, there's cars around, the sounds around. So like there is that direct correlation for me and for keeping cool under pressure and being able just to focus on the process. So I have, I have found tangible difference and it's something that I would to a new guy say, get yourself a helmet, go get yourself a, a mask and, and go down and, and, and work on this. This is a tool for you to use there. Do you think if instead of being taken to that track in Innsbruck, someone had stuck the VR helmet on and said, this is what it's like, do you think you'd ever have actually done it? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, 100%. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um <laughs> probably wouldn't have been the same it's kind of like you know if you if you use a, a roller coaster simulator versus yeah. getting on the roller coaster yeah skeletons all feel it's an experience you know the speed is just amazing so um i would have absolutely done it it would have been a little less scary to you know because my first time doing it which is 
full on like speed and the corners are just taken by and you're just like i don't know what's going on <laughs> what the hell am i even that, like, doing into, now <laughs> uh, dude, yeah man like i'm just like i was lying on my side and i was like i just i don't want to move because i don't know what to do yeah so to have like if i had a, a bit of a teaser with with the headset that would have been would have been amazing because i'm like okay this is what's going on or this is this corner and it's going to go this way kind of things instead of like oh i'm in the corner now i don't know what to do so yeah, yeah it would have it would have i would have still gone i'm a <laughs> devil for speed <laughs> You mentioned that the, what do you call it, a board, a, what's the... A sled. A sl- oh, well, of course, it's yeah. a sled. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You said it's 30 kilos. It looks tiny. I'm like, where's where's the weight in that thing? Because it looks like there's nothing on it. It's a, it's fairly primitive. So if you can think of just a, a metal frame surrounded by a carbon fiber pan on the bottom. Yep. Um, and then on the top, we've, we've just got um, like a, a saddle that kind of like um, encapsulates our, our rib cage and they kind of hold us on the sled because we're not, we're not physically holding onto the sled when we're in the corners. We're actually just laying there with our, with our hands relaxed. Oh, any wow. tension in the sled. Oh yeah. 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 Any, any tension in the sled is, is an input. If you're tense in your body, that sled is not going to like oscillate. It's not going to, it's not going to twist the way it needs to. Yeah. So the idea is to get out of the way of the sled mold and, and, fly, and fly with the sled. There's, there's some tracks, again, I'm going to bring it back to Eagles. If I put a sack of potato on, on, the, on the sled, it's going to go down fast because it's not trying to stop the sled. It's just moving with the sled. Yeah. That's all it's doing. It's dancing with the sled. So um, the sled itself is it's a steel frame. And then um, there's like a pivot point in the middle that we can change depending on the track. It's a hefty piece of equipment. It's light enough for me to carry on my own, but but heavy that it's, it's a pain, pain in the ass. So like, you know, I, I carry that onto onto planes everywhere, and I'm sure the airlines are delighted to see me with my bags of thirty kilos, and they get all their fees and all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And I can't, I can't do anything but pay. There's no shifting it from bag to bag. It's just it is yeah. what it is. But uh, yeah, they're they're heavy sleds. I take you to um, Indiana Jones, the big boulder scene where you know it's just breaking through everything. Mass moves mass, so we build momentum down the track. Um, there's a maximum weight that a sled and, and this an athlete can be, which is 120 kilos. So if I'm a, if I'm a light guy, my sled has to be heavy, yeah, which sucks right. because you've got to push that heavy sled. <laughs> yeah, but on the flip bit. side, oh, it's, it's awful. Like I'm, I'm lucky because I'm on the other end. My sled is light. It's 27.5 kilos. So I'm, I'm the heavy thing, yeah, which works for me. So, but there's, there's some smaller athletes that just have this like, 45 50 kilos i'm like come on man that's awful i'm lucky to only have a 30 kilo sled um so what other things do you think you know people should know about your sport and why you feel like it's you know it's one of the the great sports of uh, of a winter games <laughs> it's it's honestly it's it's the most captivating it's pure pure racing there's no short thing about it there's no like it's, I'll bring it back to F1. We kind of know it's Max Verstappen or, or Lewis Hamilton. In our races, there's just so many variables that you just don't know. Back in Pyeongchang in 2018, two bobsled teams, Germany and Canada, both tied like 0.00. They both got gold medals, which is unheard of. The Canadian team came back from a deficit and it was just huge to, to watch this. I'm like, how are they doing this? It's just, it's incredible. And one thing I, I, I would urge people to do is, is, is just take the time and sit down and watch it because it is 
it's jaw dropping racing and you never know when someone's going to bin it. Someone's going to flip, someone's going to crash and it's just pure speed. It's, it's incredible. I mean, if you're lucky enough to live near a track, I mean, there's tracks in North America, there's plenty in Europe, get out and have a look. And I mean, you can go down yourself. There's, there's tourist bob rides and it's definitely something to experience. Or if you're ever near anywhere, that's a track, get out there. It's worth the money. Get down in a bobsled. You'll be smiling from ear to ear when you get off. It's incredible. Now, you've also reminded me, I live in an area where there's one of those just like steel type, you know, it's just like a steel track yeah. thing that you can sit on a sled and, and hoon down. And I've never been. So I think this coming summer, if hopefully everything opens up again, you know, it's winter here at the moment. I'm like, if everything's okay, yeah. I totally have to go and throw myself down that thing. 100%. 100%. And I'll want video of that too. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Of course, these days it's like, well, you've got to whack a GoPro on your head when you're doing these sorts of things. 100%. Like, is, is that like, is that something you do as well? Do you record training runs and things like that? 100%. We'll have, we'll have, uh, we'll have camera. So we'll have iPads. We'll have coaches with iPads down the corners. And we, at the end of the day, we'll review. I have gone down with a GoPro before. There's, there's footage of that on my Twitter from Park City, Utah. I don't do it a lot because, again, training runs are training runs and you stick a camera on your back. It just changes the aerodynamics. It changes totally. a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it changes so much that, like, I'll do it for, I'll do it for the gram. I'll do it for <laughs> social media and show people and show people, like, what my sport is. This is why I'm so passionate about it. And this is why I put myself through what I put myself through because this is an incredible sport. So, what we do, we use Huddle and, and, and apps like that on, on iPads to to review and and that's um, again a massive part of it like man sliding down on the sled is literally the smallest part about my sport it's surrounded by so many hours of preparation and even before a race i'm working on my equipment for five six hours every race yeah we could have a double race that's like 10 hours and two days of just pure like polishing and taping up and making sure it's pretty and, and good to go and there's a certain like I bond with my sled because you're putting so much work in it. Like you're just like at the top of the track, my sled is good. My preparation is good. My mind is good. Whatever happens on race day happens on race day. I think that's something that I, I got from, uh, again, another parallel from, from using headsets and, and just actually playing games, being, being in a, you know, competitive nature a lot, whatever happens, happens. You can't control what you can't control. So, I find it very relaxing during races and it's, it's just, this is what I'm here for. So let's run, let's go, let's rip some runs and enjoy it. And if I do well, perfect. And if I don't, well, we have all this information that I can bring on to the next race. So what's the future of races look like for you from here? Are there other big events this year? There's obviously winter games focus for next year. Um, is, you know, is the view from there that maybe there's another games after that in your future or like, you know, where do you feel like that, that journey goes from, from here? Yeah. So, I mean, so this is, this is my Olympic year this year. Our, our sport is obviously on the change of the year. So it will start in November and then it'll go November, December, January. So this is, this is for all intents and purposes, my, my Olympic year. And oh, it's kind of surreal because, because yeah, I keep yeah. forgetting again. Cause I'm yeah. like other end of the world. It's like, yeah, winter games will be the start of next year. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So that's, yeah, that's only so, like months away. Really? Sorry. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No pressures for tires, but I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of wild. It's, it's, it's coming fast. I remember at the end of 2018, I was like, well, that's me done. And then. 
here we are four years later. This year will start maybe the end of end of September. I'll do two weeks in in Lake Placid where I'll go out to their push facility. Um, and I'll do two weeks of just push training on ice. I can't do that here. I don't have any equipment here to do that. So two weeks, just kind of training like an athlete, but incorporate that ice training. And then um, our first stop is is Whistler in Vancouver. So I'll, I'll get out there for October. I'll do two or three weeks of just training and get my head used to like what's going on because <laughs> the, the mammalian brain is not used to like we hit fight or flight pretty quick. So we just want to kind of ease ourselves in. You don't want to go straight from like no training to competition. That's just not going to work. So we do two or three weeks of just getting into it. And then I'm, I'm going to probably the most intensive six weeks of my life. We're going to have nine races. Yeah, we're going to have nine races in the span of six weeks. And five of those races are in the span of two weeks. So it's just going to be like back to back. You have to be at the top of your game every day. And then you go home and you spend six hours on your set and you're back at it the next day. It's tough. That's very, very tough. And then from there, so we'll, we'll be out in Vancouver. I'll go back to New York for three races just before Christmas. And then um, Germany in January, there's, there's uh, a few races on um, in Germany just to tie off the season. And then by January 16th is the cutoff for Olympic qualification. And we'll find out if we qualify come the 20th of January. And then we leave the next week, essentially, to, to Beijing. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, it's, it's, this is like all of the other years you have, I mean, so many different variables and, and things like that. But this year is just like from track to track. It's race to race. Um, and you have to be at your best. This is the year where you you cash in on all your mistakes, all of the the times that you messed up. This is where you cash in on those mistakes and on those lessons you learned. So um, I'm looking forward to it. This is this is where I thrive. I love this kind of stuff. But yeah, I am I am very aware of of the the season that I'm about to start. Probably a tough one. Along that way, how many times a, a week, or is it like every single day that you'd have that? VR headset on doing a little bit of visualization work? Yeah, I would try myself with the VR headset. So I would use it. So we would, out of five days, let's say, we, we wouldn't do more than five days. It's probably like three days on, one day off, two days on. The VR headset would be used like in the morning predominantly. And then sometimes at nighttime, I'll throw on a, a fishing game and I'll sit back and I'll just relax and just escape for a few minutes. That's, that's great, actually. Again, that's what I love about VR. You kind of, you, you throw it on. And nothing else matters other than catching that fish or, you know, beat save or whatever it may be, whatever game I'm not born. I don't, I punched the wall too many times for that game. <laughs> but like, I try to kind of chill out and have that because you, you have to like, you know, your cup, your cup can only hold so much water. So yeah, I don't want it to overspill and I don't want it to empty. So I just try to, to manage it. But the VR headset's a, a daily, a daily driver for me. Yeah. Look, I have one here at at home. I, mine is still the original old Vive, and um, That's good. but still, yeah. I still always remember the first time I stuck that on, sitting at my desk, and I played a bit of Elite Dangerous, and mm-hmm. just like the whole, oh my god, I'm now in the cockpit of a spaceship, and I'm now going to spend an hour just like undocking <laughs> and flying to another space station and docking, and it was like yeah. mundane by game terms, but that sensation of being in this yep. totally other place, it was yep. incredible. So I love that idea that you can, you know, get that intensity out of it and then, yeah, flip that switch, go into a relaxing fishing game and just take, yeah, take a it's, load off. 
But and and that's again, that's I'm such a bit advocate for VR because you could have a hand physics game where you get to pick stuff up, which is like I could do that here now. But like the setting that you're in, and it's just so like you're just like this is insane. The deep view, um, deep sea. I don't know if you did the one with the deep sea with the the original vibe. Yeah, where you're sitting, you're sitting in the water, and and the blue whale just like comes across and. I will genuinely never forget having to take off the headset and the disappointment that I was just in my living room. I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Like it's, it's just another level. And that's, again, that's why, you know, with skeleton, it's like something, it's a feeling, it's an immersion. It's, it's like, you just need to experience it. Like racing is racing, but like skeleton is just a different level. It's the same with VR. It's just whatever game you're playing is amazing because there's just, there's a, a third dimension to it. You, it's tactile. You feel it. You know, I played Fabulous Phobia on, on my headset and that was terrible. Walking into a room and having the sound change, awful, awful. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a PC, on a screen, no problem. You know, mess around, whatever. But when when it's you and you're like, turn around and look in and you're hearing this and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. like that that's a new level. And it's it's amazing. It's It's great fun. Yeah. So, look, please tell uh, listeners where they can, you know, keep up to date with all your cool stuff and how your season goes. Absolutely. So my all my, my social media is at Face Doyle. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I have a website, which is theslidingirish.com. Uh, and I also have a go for me if you want to help out, which is something that I do need. I, I am 100% dependent on, on outside sponsorship and funding at this stage. I've funded myself for 90% of my career. And I'm at that, that last stage, that last step where I need the help. So um, that's all linked to my social media as well. Awesome. Brendan, thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Brendan Doyle and a huge, huge good luck for the season ahead and for the Beijing Olympics. And again, you can find him via at Face Doyle on Twitter and at slidingirish.com. Com. I'm Seamus Byrne, this is Biteside, and you can, of course, find lots more stories from me and the team at Biteside.com. See you in the future. Bye-bye, Ireland.